This is the Jeff Caven Show, another episode of Meet My Friends. Today we're going to meet Marcus Grodi. Hey, I'm Jeff Cavins. How do you simplify your life? How do you study the Bible? All the way from motorcycle trips to raising kids, we're going to talk about the faith and life in general. It's the Jeff Caven Show. Hey, I want to welcome you back to the show this week. And uh, every once in a while, we throw in a special episode where I want you to meet my friends because I've got some really good, good friends. And oftentimes, uh, introducing my friends to others results in fruitfulness in the kingdom of God. Oftentimes, it provides an answer to questions that you have and in some situations, resources that you've been looking for, and you just didn't know where to find them. Now, I know that many of you have loved ones who have left the Catholic Church, and uh, you have been praying for them to uh, come back. Some of you have have Protestant friends who have shown a real interest in the Catholic Church. For example, I was uh, uh, just recently at a Bible study that had about 50% Catholics, 50% Protestants, and there were a lot of questions about the Catholic Church. Well, I can't think of a better guy to uh, assist in answering those questions as well as making the path a little bit easier in coming into the Catholic Church and in the case of the Coming Home Network, coming back to the Catholic Church for many people, which was my particular situation. He is the host of EWTN's amazing show, The Journey Home, and he's the founder of the Coming Home Network, a very good friend of mine that I think you need to get to know, Marcus Grodi. Welcome to the show, Marcus. Thanks, Jeff. What a great privilege, not just to be on your show, but to always get connected up with you again. We don't see each other enough. Well, I've been uh, I've had the honor of being on your show uh, several times, and right. uh, and and we go way back. I mean, we go way way back. <laughs> uh, you were the guy that before I even came back to the Catholic Church, I uh, I talked to you. Uh, my bishop uh, uh, was a real instrument in bringing me back to the Catholic Church, and you were the one that encouraged me after finding out who you knew B- Bishop Paul Dudley. Yeah. Uh, you you encouraged me to, to talk to him, and and that really was the key in the in the highway back for me. So I owe an, an awful lot to you. But I also know that I'm not the only one that so many people today uh, are looking to the Catholic Church, have questions, uh, theological questions, as well, as well as logistic questions about what people are going to do with their life. But before we get into that, give us a little synopsis of your background and the the, the journey that you you were on when you came into the Catholic Church. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll do it as quickly as possible, Jeff. Um, of course, the funny thing is, and I know you appreciate this, you know, I've been doing the Journey Home program now for over 20 years, and if you average that to be 40, 45 interviews a year, that's a bazillion uh, people that either converted or come back. And <clears throat> when you hear so many stories, then you have to tell yours after a while you you can't remember, well, was that a part of somebody else's story or was that a part of my story? Uh, but I'll just simply say I was brought up, um, my first years of my life, we were not churched at all. I wasn't baptized until age seven. We became Lutheran. I was baptized and went through all the hoops of the Lutheran church. And I knew the faith really well, but it hadn't really made a difference in my heart, if you will. Um when I went away to college, I'd become very much involved with science, even to the point of denying the reality of God and and mm. uh, was totally absorbed in scientific materialism. 
And then by the mercy of God, actually through the study of science, I was awakened to the reality of God first in creation, knew that there had to be a creator and ordered uh, foundation to everything we see. It was absolutely convincing to me. And then through the witness of a friend and the reading of the Gospel of John, I had a, if you will, a born-again experience to Jesus Christ at age 21, came back to college, was all set to go to medical school, but decided to just go into engineering. And then pretty soon my faith had been changed so much, I went to seminary and became a pastor. And never, ever, 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 even for a second, considering the Catholic <laughs> Church. Never, never crossed my mind. And one reason is I never had a Catholic talk to me about the faith. And I sure. never saw a Catholic in my life who impressed me about becoming a Catholic. It just never was there. And so I was a pastor. I had no intention of ever becoming Catholic. I was a Presbyterian pastor for 10 years and thought that's where I'd be for the rest of my life. Um, I think the issue that really opened my heart was the fact of, of uh, standing in a pulpit and realizing more and more and more that Scripture alone just didn't work, uh-huh. and realizing that I, as a pastor, was responsible before God for what I delivered to the people who were coming to hear me every Sunday. What, what uh, do you mean by scripture, scripture alone? Well, as a Presbyterian pastor, I believe that the sole foundation of our faith was the Bible alone. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I was blind to the fact that I was seeing it through the lens of my Presbyterian Calvinist tradition, but I believed that I was following Scripture alone. And that was the conundrum, because I would get in my pulpit, and I believed that what I was teaching was true. But I also realized, began to to eat away at me, that within a 15-mile radius of my pulpit, there were at least 15 other clergy of other denominations who also believed in Jesus Christ and also believed in the trustworthiness of Scripture, but we were teaching radically different things. And eventually— I came to the realization that there was not one single thing that all Christians agree on. Mm-hmm. Not one thing, not even who Jesus is, not even about Scripture, not about the Trinity, not about the church, not one thing. And that became a crisis for me, along with a number of other issues. And then I, I resigned from the pastorate, not to become Catholic, but because if I couldn't be certain that what I was teaching was eternally true— I shouldn't be in the pulpit. So you were intellectually very honest. Well, some have said how brave I was, and and the point was not at all. I mean, my conscience (laughs) uh, was eaten away at me, and at my confidence, if you will. And if I I didn't know what was true. I loved Jesus. I never lost my faith in my Lord Jesus Christ, and I never lost my love for Scripture but I began to doubt everything else. And to cut this to the chase, I, be, I, I found myself back in touch with an old seminary classmate, Scott Hahn. I had heard through the grapevine he'd become Catholic, and I didn't even, it didn't even register with me why any Protestant would consider becoming Catholic. It, so I, I, but I got in touch with him, and I heard a story, and his story kind of started to break through the wall, but what really broke through the wall was a scripture that he points out, and that's 1 Timothy 3.15. And that is that the pillar and ball work of truth is, and I would have answered that question, the Bible. Sure. The pillar and ball work of the truth is the Bible. And when Scott was challenged with that very thing, 
the person had challenged him, well, what's the Bible say the pillar and bulwark of truth is? And that's where 1 Timothy 3 points out that the pillar and bulwark of truth is the church. Sure. And that didn't make me Catholic, but that made me realize is, well, well, which church? There are so many. My church, the Presbyterian church, the Baptist church, Methodist. And so in some ways it made it worse, and it led to a deep study, again, to the early church fathers. Eventually led me to Newman, reading uh, his writings, and then the realization that our Lord did indeed establish a church in his apostles to which he promised the Holy Spirit to guide them into all truth so that we could be certain of what's mm-hmm. necessary to believe and to do for salvation. Do you remember the moment where you made that decision, where where it became very clear that uh, this is, in fact, where I'm going to end up as the Catholic Church? Well, it was a two-step process. Uh, after reading Newman's Apologia Pro Vita Sua, his own biography, I knew after that that I couldn't remain Protestant, mm-hmm. um, that the Bible is not sufficient alone to know all truth. And it doesn't take long to see that. Look around us. So I knew I couldn't be Protestant. I knew that faith alone was not enough because Scripture itself said that we'll be accountable for what we do. And yes, I believe we're saved by grace, but it isn't just grace alone that grace has to be lived out. So I, I, I knew that. I couldn't be Protestant anymore, but I couldn't be Catholic. I mean, I could list the long reasons why I could not be Catholic. I wasn't that impressed with Catholics. I wasn't impressed with what I was seeing in the church. Man, I think if I had been coming into the church today with the scandals, I don't know what I'd have done, you know, 20, 30 years ago. But I wasn't that impressed. And so the study came down to Peter. Did he establish the church around Peter? And again, it was a book by Newman called The Essay on Development of Doctrine, in which he points out that what really impressed Newman was that the authority of the Bishop of Rome as the successor of Peter um, is not as big of a challenge as the idea that our belief in the Trinity and our acceptance of the canon of Scripture came later in the history of the church. The church had affirmed the authority of Peter and the bishop of Rome before the church finalized our teaching on the Trinity and even the canon of Scripture at the end of the 4th century. So the point is, why is it I can think that the Trinity and the canon of Scripture are definitive doctrines, but I can't accept the same church's teaching on the authority of Peter? And that really was read, the yeah. moment. Yeah, I ran into the same thing right there, and I, it, it kind of brought a crisis on for me yeah. <laughs> as to what as to what I was going to do. Because you were returning uh, to the church, I was returning from what I rejected, yeah. and I knew why I rejected it, and I it was a complete reversal. Uh, it was a complete reversal for me. Uh, I want to learn more about you, the ministry that you are a part of because since you have come back to the Catholic Church, of course, you have uh, you've done a lot of wonderful things. You you lived in Steubenville. You're in Ohio now. Uh, you've been hosting the journey home. You've heard probably more stories than anybody alive today of why they want to come back, why they didn't, why they did come back. Um, and you are, you are also, also founded the coming home network, which is the, I think the largest pool 
of converts, reverts, and people who are still trying to make up uh, their mind. But before before I get into kind of the statistics there, and I have a yeah. few questions about the work that you're doing, did you? I ran into a problem when I came back to the Catholic Church. You know what it was? I came back. I called myself a paper convert, meaning I read my way. I I went into the church fathers. I looked at the documents. I'm like, this is solid. I I've, I I have to be Catholic. And then once I became Catholic, I ran into what I would call the real church. <laughs> and it and it was people and it was committees and it was you know it's everything that I thought. Oh no, what have I done? Because I I thought I was coming into this ideal world, but I didn't end up hitting an ideal world. Did you run into that as well? Yeah, yeah, very much so, very much so. The reason that the idea for the, what was originally called just the network, and then we later called it the Coming Home Network, the idea came because, and you can relate to this because your experience so affirms it, Jeff, and that is before I became, even thought about the church, I had never heard of a Protestant minister becoming Catholic. It never crossed my mind. I didn't have a mental file folder for that reality. I knew mm-hmm. of Catholics that became Protestants, but not the other way around. And I couldn't imagine why anybody would do it. So when the door opened in my heart and mind for that very thing, I felt very much alone and had no one to talk to. I was still actually practicing as a Protestant minister. I had resigned to go back to school, but I still had a responsibility to preach for a half year. So as I'm discovering this, I can't talk to Protestants about it. And I knew no Catholics. And the Catholics I did talk to about, should I convert? Often I was told, well, since Vatican II, you don't have to convert. So I was getting bad information. So I felt very much alone. But, and when I would go visit churches and look at what the news is telling about the church, it wasn't always that appealing. So... But as I got closer to coming into the church, all of a sudden I began to discover others who had made the journey before me, Scott and Kimberly Hahn, uh, Father Ray Ryland, um, and Steve Wood were three that were really close to me when I came into the church. Paul, uh, Paul, Father Paul Key, he's now a priest. He was a Presbyterian pastor. He had come in. He was my sponsor. And it was as if I wish I'd have known about them when I was on the journey. Uh, it's like it's like everybody going to a conference and you all get there and you say, wait, we could have come on a bus together. You know, yeah. <laughs> so instead of everybody. So the idea of a network was to connect men and women on the journey with people who had already come in so that they could answer questions. They could stand side by side, especially when they see problems in the church. They wonder, how do I answer this? How do I address these issues? Or like today, the scandals. How do we? How we deal with that? And from the very beginning, if you will, the policy of the Coming Home Network is that we're not here to push, pull, or prod anybody into the church. Mm-hmm. We stand beside people on the journey. We're here to answer their questions, to pray for them, to to help them discern what God is calling them to do next. Because it's not always that it's not just black and white. You know, once you. The Vatican II document says that a person cannot be saved once they have come to know that Christ established his church unless they return or remain in the church. 
It says that in the catechism. So some people can say, quoting Cyprian and Augustine, that once you know it's the church, you got to come back because you'll be damned if you don't come back. That's not the teaching of the church. And God doesn't throw a stone tablets down, like in your life or mine, telling you this is what I want you to do. It's not always that easy. Especially, think of it this way. When you're a 55-year-old Protestant minister, that's all you've ever done in your life, and you're married with kids— and your wife wants nothing to do with the Catholic Church, you've never done anything in your adult life, your kids are saying, Dad, why are you taking us out of this great youth programs over there to St. What's-its-name, and you're going to do this? And then at age 55, you resign from your ministry and you become Catholic, and you end up sitting in a pew unemployed with nobody wanting to do anything with you. You've got to make sure you're hearing God carefully, and that's what our work is about. Marcus, we're going to take a break. When we come back, I, I, I do want to talk about the experience of people and what you've seen, maybe some common denominators, and, and, a, and some tips on what people can do to, to assist others and to, like you said, walk with them, not be their conscience and say, you've got to do this or that. But how can people, how can people help? My friends, you're listening to a very special episode of Meet My Friends. We're talking with Marcus Grodi, and he is the host of The Journey Home on EWTN and the founder of the company. Home Network. We'll be right back. Do you find it difficult to enter into the mysteries of the rosary? What about personally applying them to your life? Drawing from the writings of the saints, the Bible, and Catholic tradition, Matt Frat has produced Pocket Guide to the Rosary, a masterful work that teaches Catholics how to truly meditate on the mysteries of the rosary, how to pray the rosary like the saints, and so much more. If you're looking to deepen your prayer life and improve the way you pray what St. Padre Pio called the weapon of our times, we invite you to check out Pocket Guide to the Rosary by Matt Frad. To order, visit ascensionpress.com or Amazon. Hey, I want to welcome you back, talking to a very good friend of mine that I think many of you need to get to know. Uh, certainly you can get to know his, his, his ministry, his work. Uh, many of you know him from EWTN. He's the host of The Journey Home. He's the founder of the Coming Home Network, which has helped so many people to, uh, to come to a, a, a fuller understanding of Jesus and his, in his church. And it's uh, Marcus, uh, again, it's so good to talk to you. How many people have you been in touch with? What this network you're talking about, how big is it? Well, you know, I, I did. I'm sorry, I didn't know ahead of time, Jeff, uh, that I should have grabbed all the the statistics. Maybe it's just as well. In fact, this morning I was read, <laughs> happened to be reading the end of Second Samuel when when David is tempted to count his troops and he gets in trouble. So maybe it's just as well that I haven't counted them all. But we've been well. First of all, let me say that we have never, in all the years we've been around for over 25 years, the Coming Home Network doesn't go out to try and convert Protestant ministers. We, we don't send, we don't put leaflets on people's windshields on Sunday morning. We're not going out. They come to us. And I used to jokingly say that after Catholic answers did a job, then people come to us to figure out now what they're going to do with their life, you know? And, and uh, so we've been contacted over the last 25 years by several thousand, easily pushing three, more than 3000 non-Catholic ministers from over a hundred different denominations. Amazing. About half of those have come into the church. 
Uh, maybe a third of those that have come into the church are now priests. Um, and every story is different. We also have many, uh, the word many's can be exaggerated. We have about twice or th- many lay inquirers that have come to us. We help laity too, of course. Sure. Um, we, we call in our work our primary members, meaning our primary focus is helping people whose conversion will cause an upheaval in their vocation and, and occupation. So ministers, missionaries, yeah. youth ministers, academics, when they are drawn to the Catholic Church, it means an, a, a huge upheaval in their lives. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so we're there to help them. We don't always give, you know, we're not here to give them money. We've never given money to people on the journey, but after they come in, if they go through a rough time, yeah, sometimes we can help them out financially. Mm-hmm. But our goal is help them make connections. Your example is really great, and and I'm glad I did it the way I did. If if what you say is true, your memory is better than mine. But you were not a Catholic yet. You were on the journey. You came to me, and what did I do? I connected you with your local bishop, and I right. I've all I believe that's our work is do we do what we can to connect people locally so they can look face-to-face with others in the church, especially mm-hmm. local priest or bishop? Let me ask you this. How does the journey to the church typically begin? Does it does it usually start as a, as a theological itch of some kind or um, uh, some kind of wound or, or a... Um, a, some, an event in somebody's life, you know, that they suddenly start looking at the church? You know, back when, in the early days of the Journey Home program, when I forced every guest to tell their story in 27.2 minutes, you know, <laughs> nowadays they have a whole hour, but in the early days I had to force condense it. The first time you were on the show, way back in, in the late 90s, Jeff. But I would divide the first half, half hour with the question, all right, what opened your heart to the church? And I was nailing that very thing you're talking about. What is it? Mm-hmm. And I have to say, now after 16.2 gazillion episodes, it's always different. I mean, you know, I don't, I'm not evading this. It really is amazingly different. If I were to ask all my guests, what was it that brought you to, into the church? If they're all honest, they'll say, all agree the same thing, the grace of God. The grace of God. Well, how did then, on the other hand, what did God use? And it's every imaginable way. Sometimes they're coming out of a different church, a difficult church situation. So you have those that, for example, I don't want to pick point fingers, but many of our Anglican converts mm-hmm. are really upset with where the Anglican church is going on moral issues. So or women's ordination or different things. So that's the original spark. That opened it. It doesn't necessarily make them Catholic, but now what are they going to do? And that makes them open. In my case, I was at a crisis. What am I going to do? And then drop, God dropped into my lap, my old classmate Scott Hahn. Others, it's they may watch the journey home. They may be at your Bible timeline. They they may not expecting it at all. All of a sudden, something beautiful about the Catholic Church opens. God uses that to open their mind. Mm-hmm. And that begins the journey. That's why, for example, the books I've written, which are not going to be bestsellers, but they're specifically stealth evangelization. 
so that this book is sitting on somebody's shelf and, they, well, it looks interesting. You know, I wrote, I've written a couple novels. Oh, that's interesting. They read, oh, wow, this is interesting. And then before they know it, it's opening them up, hopefully by grace, mm-hmm. to the beauty of the church. What do you, uh, you know, in, in looking at all of these people that you've worked with over the years, do you see key topics that people wrestle with? Like, for example, we could we could come up with 200 theological points that people might struggle with in some way or another, but it all gets sifted down into, I would guess, a, a handful of issues that they are keeping them from really taking that next step. Are there main issues? Yeah, I... I have to be careful that I don't read into everybody my own. I don't want to project into everybody. I do think the issue of how do you know it's true is very, very common. Authority, all the different opinions out there. That, that's really common on so many others. Another is there's something missing. Remember, you wrote a book about that, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's something missing in my life. What yeah. is it? Uh, a lot of actually reverts, former Catholics who've left and are out there. Maybe they're in ministries, their lives. There's something missing. And that's often what brings it back. Sometimes it is a crisis and they find great meaning in the Catholic understanding of suffering or, um, you know, those, those Would you- are... Would you say that it's that it's the, oftentimes the combination between theological, some theological uh, problem that they're wrestling with, as well as uh, relational? You know, yeah. like like for, like for example, um, in my situation, it wasn't so much theological that I left. It was more of I was loved out of the out of the church, and then it became theological coming in, but I had a relationship with my father that was really broke that I needed to deal with that, and that was a part of the healing of me coming back. I, Jeff, I truly believe that it's the mystery of election, and this is a bit controversial, but to me it truly is that mystery of election, which which means it is the initiation it's on the initiative of God and his grace. But we always have the freedom to respond. So in, in that mm-hmm. very mysterious connection, the crossover of God's initiating grace, but then our freedom to respond in that God uses an infinite number of things, situations, relationships, and where, when I grew up, there was a cartoon show about a, a turtle that was always going off and getting in trouble. And I remember at one point, it's, you know, the, the phrase was, and this is when I was five years old, trussle, 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 tum, time for this one to come home. I don't know if you remember that. But, you watch, <laughs> but my point was... I'm surprised you remember that. No, but the point, I remember that because the point was this, this little turtle gets so far out there, and then the, the guy said, it's time. And a lot of it, that's for us. It's yeah. time. God's time to reach us, to touch us. And so do we respond? And that's part of the reason the Coming Home Network is somebody calls us and says, I just don't know. We're going to be with that person as long as they're on the journey because it may take a while. What's happening to those who come back in terms of finding their place in the church and exercising uh, their perceived gifts? Well, um, that's a mixed bag. 
Mm-hmm. I think it's it's a problem, my view. There are, uh, even John Paul really talked about our need to be careful and responsible for converts to come into the church to use their gifts. Um, I have file folders full of former clergy who mm-hmm. come into the church and have had really difficult encounters. Um, sometimes it's they need to grow in humility, but sometimes it's the way they're received. And the truth is the church has not had a great track record on the way it's received, especially Protestants mm-hmm. in the church. Um, and that's part of the problem. We In America, a part of the subliminal culture, if you will, is an anti-Catholicism. It's a part of our culture. And I really believe that a vast majority of the people that you know and I know, Jeff, short of a miracle of grace, they would never be open to the Catholic Church. And part of it is because of what they've seen. Sure. And that's why my data, that not mine, but the data that we have, which is probably maybe the most thorough in the world, demonstrates that only less than 1% of Americans show any interest in coming home to the Catholic Church. Yeah. Less than yeah. 1%. And if you will... It's sobering. <laughs> it, well, let's look at it this way. Less, a little over 20% of America claims to be Catholic. The bishops I talk to say, of oh, that 20%, maybe half go to church regularly. That means only 10% of Americans are regularly in the sacraments. That means one, only one out of every 10 people that die, die in the sacraments. We have a lot of work to do. A oh, lot of work to uh, no, do. No kidding. You know, one of the, uh, we just have a few minutes left, but one of the big questions that, that I get that I would love for you to address is that, you know, people, they'll write me, they'll call or meet me at a conference or something and say, and, and, and I can tell you right now, there's a, I've got a whole handful of, of Protestant ministers that are just wonderful, lovely people and, and lay, laymen mm-hmm. who uh, are considering the Catholic Church. But they have this question, uh, my wife or my spouse, my husband, is not on the same page. What do you recommend? Because I'm afraid this is going to split our family. Yeah, I, okay, I'm just... As Paul said, I'm not speaking of the Lord. I'm that's just, a hard one. That's hard. I'm just speaking me, you know. And, and actually, that's been yeah. a real struggle because I've wanted bishops to answer that very question clearly for us because very often my staff and I are dealing with Protestant ministers that are posing that exact question and wondering what do they do? You know, do they resign from their ministry to become Catholic? What do they do when their wife especially doesn't want to do it? And my view is that our vow that we have made in marriage is the most important vow that we have made in our life, whether we made it as a Catholic or a Protestant, and it needs to be honored. And so I would say that that's why we do not push, pull, or prod anybody into the church. We help them discern. A good example of that, now Scott Hahn ain't the best example. His his example (laughs) wasn't the best in terms of coming in before... His wife, I mean, in the end, it turned out fine. But for me, the example always reminds me of is Paul Thigpen, wonderful, wonderful friend. I know he's a good friend of yours, Jeff. Amazing man, yeah. He, he was a, you know, a former Protestant minister. 
He, after so much, was ready to come into the church, and his wife wanted nothing whatsoever to do with it, almost mm-hmm. to the point of she would divorce him if he became Catholic. I mean, I'm exaggerating. So what did Paul do? He said, fine, I'll trust God, and I'll wait. And he waited. Two years later, she was more ready to become Catholic than he was. <laughs> so that's trust in God. It's yeah. trust in God. It's, it's very similar to Emily and myself, actually, because I, I made my mind up. I, I was I needed to come back home. For me, it was to come back home uh, to the church, and it frightened her, and it frightened my mother-in-law. And I remember saying to Emily, I, 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 I have to go home, and I don't want this to split us in any way whatsoever. I, I, I want you to study what I studied. And fortunately, she was in a wonderful environment. We were at Steubenville. And she studied and she came to the conclusion. And I said, sweetie, if you come into the Catholic Church and I die the next day, I want you to be so convicted about your faith that you'll stay Catholic the rest of your life. And, you know, she had big questions all the way to the end. And she had to trust in this this pillar of the, that the truth rests on, which is the church. Your resources. I know that recently I was at your headquarters there in um, Ohio, and you have some amazing resources for people that are searching for people that might have loved ones that, that that want to know what are the best sources here for us to look at. Tell me a little bit about your resource center and how people can tap into that. Well, first of all, I, I would direct the audience to our website, chnetwork.org. Lots of resources there, lots of eBooks, lots of things to answer questions, as, with, as are with many other Catholic sites, but we have a lot there. Maybe our biggest strength is our online community in which people on the journey can can even privately talk with others on the journey. Here we have a, a library of books that we give away. We've selected, oh, several dozen Pacific books, apologetic books written by some of the best Catholic authors. Your books are there, Jeff. And we do this because when we encounter people on the way or on the journey and they say, I, I'm just really having a problem with purgatory. Well, we got a book for you. I'm having a problem with Mary. I got a book for you. I'm having a problem with the Eucharist. We have a book for mm-hmm. you. And so our donors who support our work enable us to have these resources to give away. If people are, you know, are not on the journey, but they say, boy, we would like to know what those books are. Well, they can call our office and we can give you a list or whatever so you can buy them for yourself. But ours are specifically for non-Catholic Christians who are on the journey. We want to give them to them because a lot of these mm-hmm. people live in places they just don't know where to find a good book. And uh, so that's why we have. So in a sense, so in a sense, you've vetted uh, thousands of books that are out there and said, if you're interested in the Blessed Mother, you're interested in yeah. communion of saints, Eucharist, whatever it is, we think we've got a book that's going to be solid and it's going to it's going to help you out. So so, Marcus, how can people help you know, in supporting you? Obviously, you uh, you are you are donor based. People are helping you in this very, very important ministry that you're involved in. So. Uh, Outside of giving to you, which I'm sure you guys would welcome, (laughs) how can people help? How can people assist you? Well, uh, from the very beginning of our work, we have a small staff, you know, a dozen folk. And so if you will, I'm in this ministry supporting a dozen or so families. So, yeah, we need Mm -hmm. financial support all the time. Um, Because as you you realize when you're in ministry, I'm, I'm also promising all those husbands and wives that they can dedicate their life to our work that it'll be around in five, 10 years so that they are supported. But 
we also recognize that we can't do it all. So we have lots of volunteers that help out the online community to answer people of, who are on the journey, our helpers. Mm -hmm. And in that sense, you have this great opportunity uh, to talk with non-Catholic Christians who are coming into the church. Usually our work isn't hardcore apologetics. It's more simpler questions, you know, that mm -hmm. you can share. Relation. We believe in stories, and so you share relationally how you've come to understand purgatory or how you've come to understand Mary, or how you appreciate devotion to the saints. And so there's lots of things that people do. They love to connect with us. As we wind up the show, Marcus, a couple things that uh, my friends here that are joining us, a couple things they can pray for you about, prayer intentions. Jeff, I'm in my upper 60s. And, you know, we always, I'm sure you ask us questions too sometimes. What are we going to do when we grow up? Right. And I've decided that my number one goal for the rest of my life is to try and be the best husband and father and grandfather I can be. So I ask if, if anybody wants to pray, please, please pray for me to be a better husband and father and grandfather and leader. And uh, and also another thing, Jeff, I'm sure you can relate to is now that I'm older, what I want to do is trying to live out all those things I've been preaching for the last 50 years. Yes, <laughs> we're, we're in the same we're in the same boat. Ditto, my friends. You do all that for me too. I would really appreciate it, Mark. Marcus, it's been good to have you uh, on the show today, and uh, it's a pleasure for me to introduce you to my friends. Thank you. And um, and uh, and it's been it's been really good, my friends. If you um, if you know of somebody that is really struggling with this issue of becoming Catholic or you know of somebody that's been discussing it, I cannot recommend the Coming Home Network enough. chnetwork.org is the website. All the contact information is there. The resources are there. And so I'm basically, I'm, I'm, I'm handing you a gold mine. Of, uh, of resources and experience that will, that will help you. And I, I really can't think of a, another ministry in the world that is so rich in this information and uh, the heart in being able to help people and assist people on this amazing journey. So go to chnetwork.com or dot org rather chnetwork.org and also stay tuned because uh, the coming home network also has conferences throughout the year uh, that you can, you can go to that uh, just might be the, the ticket to invite someone to that would have their questions answered. All right, my friends, I want to close in prayer today and, and ask God to continue to bless you and uh, let's pick up the people that you know that are on this journey right now and, and ask God to continue to bless them. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Lord, I lift up to you, my friend, and I ask you to bless them. And Lord, all of those people that they know who are searching and asking questions, uh, whether it's sons or daughters, relatives, uh, people uh, uh, in their network, Lord, I pray that you would uh, accompany them and assist them and to re remove the barriers that would keep them from experiencing all that you want them to experience of yourself. I ask you to bless, Lord, in such a powerful way, the Coming Home Network and uh, also uh, the uh, Journey Home for continued fruitfulness and also in Marcus's life and his wonderful family. We thank you for him and thank you for his ministry in Jesus' name. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I love you, my friend. I love you. Remember, you can write me at The Jeff Caven Show at ascensionpress.com. We'll stay in touch, and it's been a privilege to introduce to you one of my best friends. God bless.